This is an after-school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Matatuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. And welcome back to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast with your dudes, Andrew and Josh. Josh is back for this one, not dead from COVID, which is great, even though it was really giving him a uh, giving him a fist to the face whenever I called the, him. That was that was the sickest I've ever been. I have to stop licking all the doorknobs. Yeah. <laughs> you got to stop kissing people, bro. Yeah, all the people. All the people. Um. No, so we're glad to have you back and healthy. It seems, I guess you got a neg. Did you? You went and got retested today? No, they wouldn't give me another test. Um, because like you could still pop positive tests for up to like five weeks after you gotcha. get it. So they were basically just like, "Look, you basically just have to wait until you haven't had any symptoms for forty-eight hours, which today would mark forty-eight hours of no symptoms." Because the last day I felt sick was. Tuesday, mm-hmm. like that's whenever it was still pretty tough, and then I fell asleep and I was in that like fever dream state. Yeah, whenever you called me for the podcast, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Wednesday I woke up and uh, I was starting to feel a lot better, and then yesterday I was almost at a hundred percent, and today I woke up feeling like I never even Sick. had it. So good, good, good. Well, glad that you don't feel like trash anymore that's always good <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm very excited so <laughs> well today we are going to talk about i guess it depends on what genre of music you're in but a lot of uh, this could be a touchy subject for a lot of people i guess <laughs> a lot of people um we are gonna talk about midi but you know every a lot of people are cool with midi like synths and pianos and things like that I think we're going to talk a little bit about programming as a whole, but also MIDI drums and MIDI bass and how we think that you're probably underutilizing these instruments and this tool that you have that are super cheap and very accessible. Yep. And then I think I'm also going to go on my rant about why you don't need them as well. Exactly. I there's think, like, I think there's like two really good. There's like two really cool angles on MIDI versus not MIDI, and like there's proven results from each. And it's just another creative process. But I think from a uh, I don't want to say business standpoint because that's silly, but from like a home studio perspective, like you could really save a lot of time and money if you really know what you're doing whenever it comes to MIDI, mm-hmm. and you can also Use that to have somebody play exactly what you're looking for mm-hmm. if you can't play that instrument. So there's a lot of cool stuff. And, yeah, I think uh, we'll get into a couple different things because there's different ways to go about it and different approaches on how to use it, maybe how not to use it, and some stuff yeah. that we've kind of seen you know, personally that we can speak to. But let's talk about uh, MIDI in general. If you're kind of new to the whole like home studio thing and you don't know uh what midi is midi is a type of code that 
computers used to turn sequences into sound. That's probably the best way that I could describe it. It depends. I mean, like, yeah, like I feel like that would make a lot of sense to people who use like real gear. Mm-hmm. That's um, and that's what I'm kind of going for. If you're if you're not a computer person, um, MIDI is. I hit this number in a in a sequence of 127 or whatever the heck numbers it is. I'm pretty sure it's 127 in MIDI. 127 numbers. I hit this number. It makes this sound happen. Yeah. And so MIDI can be used for like analog synths and like uh, sequencers, that sort of thing. But then you can also just program everything right in your DAW um, on the piano roll. And that is... Um, that's where I do most of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I think originally before kind of what we knew know as MIDI now, MIDI was used to link a lot of different things and um sequence like drum machines and synths yeah. in in the back in the day to make sure that everything was like running on the same tempo and in the same place on the on the grid. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it, but that's probably how bands like New Order and Joy Division and whoever else like. Like Duran probably... Duran is no- yeah. most notably like you big like huge synth setups with big yeah. rigs. Yeah, so I guess that their entire show ran off a of MIDI instead of a DAW back mm-hmm. then. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I never put that together. I just yeah, thought that they were really good at pressing play at the same time. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> you would have like a MIDI track fire to start the song and like you would have everything sequencing together and you would control it all. It's wild. Makes live shows way more hard <laughs> doing that. Bro, I'm so glad that we came up in a time where it's just like computers. I never had yeah. a bass player. I just had a computer. Like, yeah, it was so simple. It didn't talk back. It was always <laughs> on time. Uh, I didn't have to, you know, give it money for food. Yeah. It was fantastic. You didn't have to treat it nice. <laughs> No, well, I did. I did treat it nice. Yeah, because because it was on time. Yeah, because it was. It, it never misbehaved. Exactly. No, uh, I think. Yeah, that's kind of like the the older use for MIDI, and like a lot of people still use it for that way. Um, there's uh, a more large scale idea, and we can kind of get into this a little bit later. But the idea of being able to have MIDI running throughout your room to um, play a keyboard in front of you and fire a sound from a MIDI controller, like over here, like a, like a synth brain. That's like a hardware synth brain from over here. Um, but that's just something we can kind of get into later. What most people are going to use is your, uh, your MIDI keyboards. I don't have a small one, but I have my, like these, (laughs) <laughs> what not nothing i yeah. i don't i don't even have one to show right now oh yeah i was i, say, I, I was like yeah i you play don't everything on right my computer keyboard yeah which is so yeah and like yeah but it I'm, even I'm really good at user. it so i mean you just click it you could also just click it a lot of people just like click it out but for like more piano stuff i generally use this um but so that's what a lot of people know is like your midi controller synths you know, ev- basically everything can be MIDI. I've even seen vocals be done through MIDI uh, with um, 
different like vocal you, plugins. You went to the you went to the anime stuff, bro. Dude, it's you want to go to one of those shows where it's just a hologram dancing around? They aren't even saying yeah. words because I want to do that so bad. I, yeah. Oh, what what do they call it? Vocaloid or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, it's a vo- yeah. vocaloid. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't understand. I would I would give my life to experience an event like that. I was supposed to until COVID happened. Yeah, I was so close to fulfilling my life's dream, <laughs> and it's just never gonna happen now. And uh, yeah, like the, like in an ideal world, I fly to Japan, I do that, I go to karaoke, and then I eat fried rice, and then I die, and that's it. Like. <laughs> Like that's how perfect it works. day the perfect day um, so but midi can do a lot of things i think the where me and josh kind of come from is like the more rock metal world and up until honestly like 29 2009 2010 um there wasn't a whole lot of synths used in metal music in like more modern metal music really really they kind of modernized it around that era and then i will say it, what became big around there was was midi drums which a lot of people know about and i will i could i could almost argue that like 90 percent of pop music is probably some form of midi drum or sample you gone through midi um fired via midi <laughs> If you yeah. want to say that, or they just place it, yeah. yeah. No, There's... pretty much everything's programmed nowadays. But um, yeah, like so. The whole point of doing this is to like talk about the value of mm-hmm. MIDI, and so like what we're trying to say is that you can program drums that sound like edited real drums, and it takes you not long. Yeah, you pay like. 200 bucks for a good library once yep and then you just have these drums that you can use honestly bass, you could probably I use pay, um you could probably pay 200 for a good library and 100 for somebody to program them pretty well and you have you have drums yeah you give me 100 bucks i'll program drums i don't care it takes me like 20 minutes yeah um the one thing to understand though is that like if you're going to be programming instruments, you have to have some kind of understanding about how they're played. Mm-hmm. For me, it was easy. I'm a drummer. So I was able to just sit down and instantly be like, oh, okay, cool. And then I'm able to sit there and figure out where to adjust velocities because I know how I play something. Um, same with bass. You know, it was pretty easy for me. I'm not a good bass player. So it kind of helps me get past that technical hindrance that i have Mm -hmm. um but i knew enough that i was able to make it sound pretty realistic however bass tends to sound a lot more fake than drums yeah Um, they haven't quite gotten the uh the sampling down on bass yet but you know what though if you would have told me like okay i had to somebody had to point out and tell me that the bass on attention by charlie puth and the bass on don't start now by dua lipa yeah they're all keyboards both fake yeah. Somebody had to tell me that for me to go, oh, yeah, now I hear it. Yeah, you can hear it once you know. Same uh, with, like, I don't know, like, the bass on Teardrops by Bring Me the Horizon is definitely fake, and half the song is just bass, but it sounds fine. Like, I don't know. I think people get too into, like, the purest mindset, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, sometimes it's just about making music. I recently did a song where I programmed the guitars for the whole thing because I didn't feel like tracking them. Yeah. We, so, and we'll get into this in a second, but I've messed with, programming some guitar stuff 
And I think it's pretty wild that like they don't sound terrible. Like they used to sound really bad. They used like, to sound really bad. Nowadays they like the Odin stuff is pretty cool. Like they sound pretty pretty yeah, realistic. That's what I, use. I I like it. Um I mean, there was just a lot of like kind of strung out chords, so it wasn't anything mm-hmm. crazy, and I was able to do it, and it yeah. sounded fine. It, it so, sounded to the point where I figured if I recorded it, it would probably just sound worse. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like, I think something that you said earlier is is kind of uh, kind of important. Is you mess with the velocities, and I, I want to kind of hone in on that area real quick before we kind of move forward with the different MIDI stuff and like approaches with them and everything is what makes them sound so real is the nuance and the velocity of each note with everything. Like if you just do, you know, hundred percent, everything kick snare symbols, like it sounds really it sounds really fake, especially yeah. and on bass too. Like it sounds really too. fake. Same with uh, guitars. I'm not gonna lie to you. Guitars are really hard to program if it's anything more than just like straight power chords. It takes so long because the key, like, you have to do all the key switches and everything and make sure everything like fits right. Same for bass. I mean, bass you can get away oh with a little God. bit more. There's but... so much stuff that goes into it. It's just a major pain. You're probably better off just tracking guitars. But in this case, I didn't feel like retuning my guitar. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty fed up with the project, so I just programmed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and never said anything. <laughs> there you go. Most people are editing guitars to the point where they sound programmed anyway. So, well, And I think, you know, programming guitars, especially in the chords, like, as long as everything's in tune, which I know I've heard a couple of libraries, like, where there's a couple notes that aren't in tune. Um, but... Yeah, like as long as the chords is just chords or pretty simple stuff, like even just like single note, like like it's pretty straightforward. It's gonna yeah. be fine. You're not gonna know the difference. Yeah, and then like, uh, yeah, I mean, orchestral libraries are just a completely different animal. Yeah, because of all the nuance and like everything that goes into them. I haven't messed around with them a ton just because I don't need strings that often. And oh. strings, good strings libraries are so expensive. They're so expensive. Well, because the people who are using them are making how much money. Exactly. You know, doing all, I mean, a lot of them are used for, and this is another, this is another area where I guess we don't think about this because this isn't really our world, but where MIDI is actually really cool is the orchestral world. So oh, yeah, Imagine how much faster it is. I mean, okay, well, first of all, say in a perfect world, like, like I'm not talking about symphony, like recording and like not recording actual string players, but just from playing it on a keyboard, like MIDI makes things so much quicker. Because imagine if they sold like an East West uh, like keyboard, right? And mm-hmm. all the samples were in there and you couldn't do it. You would have to play all those parts to layer it. And like... With how certain programs are, like in Cubase, you could actually see like the two different MIDI tracks and then mm-hmm. you could just go through and like program it a lot quicker. So like I feel like MIDI really speeds up the process for people who score films and then they're able to take those sounds and take them to a, you know, just print off the sheet right there. So that was that's what I was going to say. And take it to a real. From, from like a movie perspective, <laughs> right? Or like, you know, 
filming scoring and filming uh, scoring for film uh you so for those that do not know i'm gonna kind of explain this process because i know josh knows and i know i know but a lot some people don't know that this is even a thing um you can program all of your midi to be the exact parts that you want down to the tiniest little detail and get it and you can pre-score your whole entire film with that and this is what a lot of people do they'll pre-program and pre-score the entire film uh, a lot of time in pro tools because and normally i don't like pro tools for midi but in this case pro tools midi is good because it pairs with sibelius and what sibelius does really well is it reads that midi and notates it for you on a sheet so that you can then print those sheets out put them in front of the players go to the orchestra and now you know exactly every note is going to be correct so you don't have to worry about rewriting or anything like that sit down it makes it way simpler Uh, i'm pretty sure keybase has it built in does it now yeah because a lot of those guys will use um cubase just because it's way more forgiving with midi Mm -hmm. i know a lot of guys are using at least in like the movie sides you're using pro tools for a lot of that stuff yeah a lot of them are going to be on either pro tools ultimate or they're going to be on what's the bigger version of cubase nuendo yeah yeah there yeah that's the other really big one that a lot of people use you know what's surprising uh from my understanding uh Hans Zimmer actually just uses Cubase. I don't think he uses Nuendo. Mm-mm, he just uses Cubase. So he's the weird one because he likes to program a lot of synths and a lot of wild textures. He uses a lot of outboard gear and Eurorack modules. Um, so he, because Cubase is really MIDI friendly in that in that sense, and the ins and outs are really MIDI friendly, um, it kind of works better for his workflow, from what I understand. Interesting. Um, but if you don't know, that's like a really interesting way to use MIDI is that side of things, you know, and that, like I said, that's stuff that we don't normally do, but if we ever needed to, for some reason, like we could program a violin part. Oh yeah. It just it to, has, send it over to a violin player. Yeah. So it just has a whole score editor in here. I've mm-hmm. never actually opened this. That's cool. And then I could move the notes around that way. Yep. Wow. Imagine if I could read sheet music well. Well, I would and just be working this is off another this. cool thing of if you are if you come from that world and you're trying to get into like the producer side of things, being able to use something like the that window in Cubase is a really beneficial thing for you in learning producing. Yeah, because you know how to write music, so you could you know, write it out in the score editor and then that'll automatic, that'll actually do the reverse and translate it to MIDI. Dude, watching how people work on like films is just crazy. It's crazy. It's just such a different world. Yeah. Bro. I, um, there's a really cool scoring video from, uh, did I send you that Andrew Wong scoring video? No. Okay, I'm going to send it to you. They, I'm going to link it to, so he had, he shot like a film, like a, basically a trailer for his like space thing that he's doing or whatever. And he had four people score it. And it, one was uh, like more of like um, a minimalistic 
scorer. One was more electronic based. One is the guy that that owns Spitfire. Huh. <laughs> uh, and the other one was more of like a natural instrument person. Used a lot of like weird combinations of natural instruments and samples uh, or like sampling manipulation for scoring. Um, it's really, really cool. That's the 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 owner of Spitfire actually made another video, and he did a deep dive on his orchestration for that piece and how he kind of approaches a lot of different orchestration side of things and using MIDI for that. It's really cool. So now I'm just reading about how <laughs> Nuendo is used. Oh, yeah. It's really wild, right? But... So I guess that like... I guess New Windows is actually really popular for game audio because it has yes. like this game it's audio huge, connect thing. Huge game audio. That's so movies and film oh, and TV. Yeah, and then you could transfer your entire interactive sections of your consummate con- compositions from New Windows music segments into Wise. That's insane. So a lot of people that do video games use No Window and Cubase. Yeah, that makes a lot sense. of people that you do film and TV use Pro Tools. That's kind of like the two things. And some sometimes there's crossover in both, obviously. There's always crossover in both. There are exceptions for everything. But that's like the from what I've seen, those are the two big two big ones in those areas. Yeah, and now it has uh Atmos also. Yeah, Dolby five point one. Silly, bro. It's crazy. Silly. We're living in the future. Anyway. Future Future. Um <laughs> so yeah, back to what we were talking about. So that's another use for MIDI I think is really cool. What I do want to say is that there's a lot of people that look down on the use of this stuff. And I think it's really... I do. I think it's really cool. <laughs> I do. I think it's really... I think this is a really cool um, technological advancement that allows us to not have to buy thousands and thousands of dollars worth of basses or have a huge drum room and a bunch of different kits and have to retune them all the time and have honestly and have a really good drummer yeah Um, where people screw up with it is that they just don't commit like mm -hmm. whenever you're using these sounds like you should use them to get the sound and then act then treat that sound like you just recorded it right Mm -hmm. um well and honestly even before you're treating the sound Commit it down to wave like form, yeah, like that's what print I mean. it all because yeah. it does a compressor hitting coming off of a plug in like a like some sort of uh drum or bass like MIDI performance plug in, um, like get good drums or you know, Steven Slate or whatever, um, or like a bass plug in like Odin, uh, or Euro bass. Those plugins react differently coming directly out rather than if you printed it down to audio and then treated it like a real bass or a real kit. Yeah, because since they're multi-layered samples, then at different parts in the song, different parts can trigger. Mm-hmm. And then you weren't able to like, like say if you're clip gaining your bass or whatever, like the B on measure one might stick out the first time and then the B on measure 16 will will stick out the second time yeah. that you listen. So like you just have to like be aware of things like that. But for me, it's more of like a, 
like a like there are like the technical aspects of it but for me it's more of like a creative choice like if you commit right then and there then you're stuck and it's just like if you can't commit then why is the sound there in the first place yeah and it forces you, know? you it forces you to think harder about your decisions before you commit and it forces you to it forces you to work harder to get the sound better after you commit. Yeah. Cause what I, what I do is I've been writing everything in Ableton and then I just, just print it all. And then I put it into Cubase. Yep. That's exactly what I do except with Pro Tools. Yeah. And I mean, I'm talking though, like I, I probably print way quicker than you do. Like Maybe. I just have, I just have the vibe. Mm-hmm. Now I treat it as like a beat. Like if somebody brought me a beat, and then I produce it out from there. Yeah, no, and, I can totally uh, see that. Yeah, and like that's been really cool. Another thing to like think about is, say, if you have like a MIDI keyboard, and you can always just print off like the chords and then chop up the audio. Mm-hmm. Same with drums. I've been working with a lot of audio drums instead of MIDI just because I can't mess with them, and it's easier on your CPU, which is cool. Yeah, and, but, and if so- you send your session to somebody, then they don't need whatever you have exactly that's that's what i was going to say is it, it helps in sharing sessions a lot um it helps in sending things to people uh it helps in honestly it helps in recalls just in case you decide to get rid of it. like you you change your drums and you don't use that drum set anymore or you change your bass plugin and you don't use that bass plugin anymore yeah every time i every time i reformat or every time i switch computers i have less and less plugins yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, you might get rid of stuff, so you got to make sure that you're committing that stuff kind of early so that you're keeping the vibe, the general vibe. Yeah, you might not have the same exact compressor that you had on it, but you have the same vibe from the beginning. Dude, you want to know what compressor just made a massive reannouncement into my lineup? Okay, what's that? Our comp. Really? Yeah. I so like based on what? Just the fact that the one day I was sitting there and I was like, man, I really miss that like high end sizzle that you get out of our comp. <laughs> and so I loaded up. I like I like had to um I had to re-download it. Mm-hmm. Or no, 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 I didn't even have to re-download it. What I did is I had to go back through and unhide it because I had most of Waves Gold hidden. Oh, yeah. And then I loaded it up and I was like, that sizzle was just so <laughs> And because like, dude, at, at the sauce, time, bro, dude, when I, like I was so like young and stupid when I bought Waves Gold. So I don't I still don't know how to use most of their plugins because like I never took the time. Yeah. And then by the time I started learning to like read the manual, I just didn't use it. You you were moving on from two different plugins bro, at that point. Tell me why. Okay. Picture this. 16 year old Josh is le- trying to figure out how to use a compressor. The gain section has a limiter built into it, and I never even knew that. <laughs> like, uh, that's how dumb young yeah. Josh was. I was like, probably sitting there just redlining it. Like, why does it sound like that? Freaking it sounds dumb. different than other gain knobs. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's uh, that's been it's, sick. But that's fun. yeah, no, you just give a little little kiss of our comp with mm-hmm. a little kiss of that gain section, and it's just oh. so and. I think I'm about to buy Arvox too. We're 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 doing it all. <laughs> doing it all. Doing that whole Renaissance line. Um, I don't care. The uh so yeah, back to what I was saying. The I think this is something me and you were talking about literally just before we got on here, is the idea of like taking your stuff that you've done in MIDI 
and sending it out to a unit of some kind. So like um, we were talking about your tape unit. So Josh, Josh's dad gave him a tape unit. Um, I think it's just like a four track tape. Uh, yeah, it's a Fostex eight track. Oh, eight track. Okay. So, but what you can do is, you know, map out your beat, map out your guitars through your uh, fake amps or whatever. And we haven't even gotten to like fake amps and how people hate that and stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, fake bass, whatever, and all your MIDI bass and everything, and sending that out to something like that or to something like. Like I have my Avalon and just giving it a little bit of like analog love kind of gives it a different vibe every time. Kind of gives it a little bit of extra sauce. Kind of yeah, gives it, really it a does. little something special just for that print. And then you've committed and you've printed that sound on top of that. That's really cool. Um, I think there's a lot of cases for use of MIDI that people think, oh, well... I got to, especially, I think this is more so the rock side of things, but it's like, oh, I, I, I gotta have real drums or it's not a, it's not a good song, you know, gotta have, gotta have real bass or the song's trash. Well, one, if the song is always going to be trash, regardless of whether it's real drums, fake drums, (laughs) midi bass, not. Welcome to How to Make a Song 101. Your song's always going to be trash. <laughs> no, I was saying the song was going to be trash regardless of whether you used MIDI bass or real bass. Uh, if it was trash to begin with, this, using MIDI or real stuff is not going to make that big of a difference. But I think using it in a way of... It kind of frees you up especially as a songwriter. And maybe this is kind of where we'll go with this next. If you're if you're a person that it kind of frees you up to not have to worry about learning how to record drums. How, recording drums is really hard. Like it's really hard. It's an art. Like it's I don't I know how to record drums in a simple in a simple kind of way, but I don't know the art of recording drums like like Chris Bowman does or Matt Goldman does. Like they do some of the coolest drum sounds on those under oath records and the microwave records that they've worked on. Bro. Like Mike Crossy. Yeah, Mike Crossy. Oh, so that guy good. is a genius. Dude. Yeah. Oh, what is this? Oh, that thing I bookmarked yeah. started playing. So I think like there there's guys that to me just like they're artists in their own right of like learning drums and i want to let them do that really well so i would rather take my time and just learn to write a really good song or learn to learn to write really good parts and instead of having to learn how to record drums to do all that i can just load up a plugin learn the art of midi programming which is you know, it's a kind of its own art form, but it takes a lot less time, a lot less effort. And once you get really quick with it, I mean, me and Josh can program a song in like a minute flat, probably a pass. Like it's just like click, 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 copy, paste, copy, paste. Like it's wild. Yeah. So what's actually funny, like I started on this whenever I was in high school and it's what really made reading music click for me. 
um you as know, far as like, like drum like yeah as far drum as drums stuff. yeah because then i was able to like at the end of the day like the grid is literally just 16th notes and 16th rests yeah so yeah. like it it's, it really is what like made reading music click for me um all of a sudden it just made sense so i was able to think oh well if i hear this then it's gonna look like that mm-hmm and so yeah that's that's a really good way to think about it and it's it's really interesting i think after you do it a while you can kind of visualize where the hits need to go before you even place them which is really cool and makes you super fast yeah like i'm able to just i don't even have to listen to it i can Mm -hmm. program you know an entire section for the most part Unless yeah. if it's like little weird fills sometimes, you know, you just got to. Yeah, you just got to like kind of mess around regardless, with it and get them to feel right. Yeah, regardless, like I'm super fast at programming stuff like that. If it's anything melodic, uh, I'm not nearly as quick. Yeah, but like, you know, drums specifically, I think is kind of where I want to focus right now because drums is the main thing where a lot of people don't have the time to, uh, well, don't have the money, firstly, to own a huge space that sounds really good is treated well has a great kit in it has a huge mic locker so that you can mic up everything that you need to all the cabling all the ins all the outs to run everything and then on top of that a great drummer and on top of that the knowledge of how to work all of that stuff to make it sound really really great yeah like that's that's your your return on investment of just using a plugin is is really really high. I mean, and the plugins are. I mean, even get good drums, which I really like for heavier stuff, is like eighty bucks. Uh, I've been using Bo Burchell's Room Sound Kit. That's like eighty ninety bucks. Um, that's made it onto like singles that have released that have done really well. <laughs> like just the MIDI of it has has just gone straight to print. Yeah, um, it's still the point now where I could tell which songs have get good drums, modern and massive on it. Yeah, because that room <laughs> is just people, so people distinct. Just use, like the same. That room is really cool though. Like they're they're almost at the point where like if they just pushed a little bit harder on the marketing, they they could really be like uh like how the Yamaha DX7 was like the 80s or the 70s. Oh yeah, it was probably the, the late 70s. Yeah, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was like the sound, you know, and like mm-hmm. I like there's basically just presets like good luck adjusting them. Yeah. And uh, so I they're like so close to doing that. Like the sound of the late 2010s, well, early 2020s is mm-hmm. good drums, modern and massive snare drum room. Yeah. Well, and it's dude, like, it's really cool because like bands that you don't even think about. Use just straight MIDI. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure a couple of those Bring Me the Horizon songs off that EP were just straight MIDI. No, they all were. But they are? I thought they tracked drums for a couple. No, dude, if you if you look at if you look at dude like recording, there's not a single mic on his drum kit. He's just okay. like on Zoom talking about the drum parts, parts and like how Jordan. they need to feel and stuff. Yeah, they're they're all hundred percent programmed. So that's there's sick. No and then like the the most recent currents record. It's 100% MIDI drums. Oh, really? No. Yeah. Which is a wild one because that one actually sounds pretty real. They did a great job of programming that. I'm pretty sure it was their guitarist that programmed it. He did a really good job on that one. He's um, a talented dude, doesn't he? Uh, he records it, all their stuff. Yeah, he's a producer. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, Nolly mixed that one, and he did all of the 
production and recording for that record. Yeah. Uh, he did a great job. The On top of that, the uh, Bless the Fall and I Prevail, both of their last records, which were I Prevail was a number one rock record for a long time, was straight MIDI bass, MIDI drums, amp sims on your guitar. Basically, the only thing that was real was the vocal. Like, that's crazy. The you, you could have programmed the guitars on that I Prevail record too, huh? You could have programmed the guitars on that I Prevail record, and not probably able to tell the because they're like they're wild. They're like doing all the crazy like yeah. glitches and bends and stuff. Uh, but no, they're like it's crazy that both the Bless the Fall record specifically kind of blew my mind because I was listening to that record. It was the Hard Feelings record, the white wall with the pink on it. Um. It's really cool because I listened to that record first and was like, this sounds really cool. I like the way this sounds. The drums are probably MIDI, but like everything else sounds really good. And then I listen, I watched the Nail the Mix where they mixed a song off of that, and he talks about producing the whole thing. And he was like, yeah, we had the MIDI bass, and we tracked all the guitars, and we were, gonna do the, we were doing the vocals, and when it was time to go back to the bass, they were like... The bass player was like, nah, we're good. Like, this sounds exactly how I want it to sound. Why would I change it? Yeah, that's typically what it comes down to. Like, yeah. you're going to edit it anyway. So. Well, and the budget-wise, like, it all, it not all it doesn't always make sense to track drums and bass and stuff like that. That's something else that a lot of people probably don't think about. But as a band... um, from the producer side of things, from the so, band side of things, you probably think something about it. that Northlane does is they'll program all their drums and then they'll track their drums last. That's what I, and that's what I do for when I do full projects. That's what I do now. Yeah, I mean, I don't do many, but yeah, yeah I've done that. Like when you do them, it's just easier because you can have you can go to the studio with the ideas fully fleshed out. I mean, this heirloom record that I'm mixing right now that me and Chris Davis did together. That's what we did everything was tracked before we tracked drums, but we knew exactly what we were going to do. And the kick isn't even, the kick is still MIDI because we weren't a hundred percent sure what all of the patterns were going to be at that point. Cause we were thinking about changing a couple. So he just did a MIDI pad for the kick and the rest of the drums yeah. like that. And that's pretty normal. I've done too. that too. I've done that. Yeah. That's pretty normal. Yeah, he has a he has a kick pad at the studio, and I've done that. Yeah, which was honestly like way easier because yeah. like if you got some dude playing like kick rolls in thirty seconds, it's just like I don't want to edit that. I'm trying well, to take my sock off. <laughs> oh god! And on top of that, and on top of that, it makes it like okay, he didn't play exactly the pattern. Let's fix a couple things here and there to nail the pattern. Or you might get a drummer that has a weak foot. Which trying to make a Bro, these, a kick drum hit like in the gut and your drummer has a weak foot is literally impossible. These drummers be acting like their legs the same. <laughs> like their left foot's so weak, bro. Did you practice for as much time as you did on your right foot? No. And your left foot does not sound the same. I don't care what it sounds like when you're behind the kit. It does not sound the same. Yeah. And it doesn't sound good. The, the human difference does not make it sound good. 
Let's no. be honest here. Especially not in bad. especially not in more extreme versions of metal where everything right. just needs to sound super tight and like little fluctuations of. You hear that excuse every time though. Well, yeah, that's just how I sound. You know, it's human. <laughs> no, that's no. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Bro, go practice. <laughs> Bro, go practice. Get that leg strength up, dude. Bunch of kids, dude. I'm about to buy everybody practice pads and drumsticks for their feet. Yeah, for their feet. <laughs> Go practice. The the other way place this is really cool is if you are just a vocalist and you don't want to learn how to play guitar or bass or anything like that. Like Charlie uh, Puth. Huh? Like Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Charlie just plays piano. Um yeah. and everything he writes is pretty much a, a form of MIDI. He uses a so, lot of synths. What's funny is Clay was taken his class and he was telling me that charlie like hates using midi which like we were just talking about this today maybe yesterday yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it was uh it was really cool hearing that because you always think that he's just like this midi wizard but no he'll, he'll like literally take like a synth and like record like his four chords for the song print it and then chop it up mm-hmm. and then place it he, around he- it's really wild how much he samples, really. Like how much he how much he commits, how early he commits, I'll say. Like he does a really good job of saying, okay, he like fiddles around on his piano or his synth things like this is the this is how I want this to sound. He'll play it really quick and before he's even like ready and he'll just print it immediately and then get it in there and make it, you know, make it fit in the what he's trying to work on. Um but yeah, I mean, he's a really good example of kind of what we're talking about. But even then, if you're like, I'm not the best piano player, right? And I'm in a rock band. Uh, but I want to write parts. And I want to like write songs. I'm going to just program these drums. I'm going to program this bass. I'm going to program these guitars. And I'm going to write songs over them. And then it's easy to go... Um, here guys, you know, like send them out everywhere. And I bring me the horizon literally did that. I think <laughs> like, that's literally how they wrote a lot of their EP is oh, they yeah. had, had MIDI guitars and MIDI basses and all that kind of stuff. And they sent it around and they were like, here's the idea. Let's make this like work better on a real guitar and make it sound more real. And then they just tracked it on a real guitar and made it feel a lot better. Maybe like rewrote a couple parts or restructured a couple things that didn't quite make sense on a real guitar. Uh, but it at least gives you like th- the freedom to write and not be constrained by the lack of ability i think that's what it comes down to is like where these are really strong is freeing you from a lack of ability to still be able to write or produce or put out songs or you know when you think about it like that it's a totally different thing do we want to record real bass sure if it sounds good honestly if it's tuned below b flat i'm gonna midi your bass anyway uh, because most real basses don't sound that great that low unless you have a really cool, ex- like a long extended scale bass. Um, duh, do you want to have real drums? I love having real drums on my stuff, but it doesn't necessarily always make sense for the budget or the time frame or for the drummer. He might not necessarily be able to play, or the band might have just written this and the drummer doesn't know the songs that well. 
you know like that happens i'm sure that happens to you all the time josh or did happen to you all the time when you were doing more band stuff yeah like the guitarist would be like yeah here's a song we wrote the drummer's like i don't even know this song yep got no idea but i i think that is where these these midi functions really shine um but I think Josh wants to bring like a devil's advocate side of things too, of like why you should also not use them. Well, I mean, that was really my point is just to, you know, make sure that you're not just sitting there searching for sounds all day. And like, once you get it, then like print it to audio. Like, I mean, do that for anything. Like even your effects, like reverbs, print it to audio. Like as soon as you are like, hey, I want a light reverb on the iVoice for this entire track, just print it right then and there. And then... You know, as soon as you get your verb throws figured out, like print those too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, same with guitar tones. Like, what are you doing with your amp sims up for the whole time? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Just print like those. print it, and like you could save all the dry stuff. Save it, put it in a folder. Yeah, you know, uh, and... for Ableton, freeze it and just minimize it. Or uh, if you're in Pro Tools, hide, make an active all day. I'm sure yeah. there's a hide, make an active version on Cubase. Like, just do that. Um, you're gonna have a lot better. You're gonna have a lot better end result if you're doing that. If you're printing as early, it, as soon as you get a tone that you like, and as long as you're obviously as long as your part's good, like if you've tracked it well, like print it immediately. Yeah. Honestly, even if you think you're close, print it immediately. Don't even make sure. Just just do it. You're gonna you're gonna save yourself time of going through the endless tweaking, and I think that's where the kind of the negative of some of these come in is. The perk is you don't have to spend you know time doing all of this, and you don't have to like if something messes up. It's not, it's fixable. But the right. problem is you could tweak forever. <laughs> yeah. And it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole. Plus, it kills your computer. And, yeah, uh, that's true. Yes, yeah, so, like I think it's just a good idea to like print as soon as you, as soon as you find your sound. And like you'll see, like if you open up bigger sessions from people who are really crazy with it, then uh, you'll see that they do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you go on Splice and get like those big EDM producer uh, sessions. Yeah, they're always printing like even like these massive synth sounds. They'll just print them out. That way they could like, you know, manipulate them manually because you have more control. Yeah. What uh so what is your favorite drum plugin right now for like real drums? Like if you were gonna like do a MIDI I still, drum. I still just use Invasion by Get Good Drums because it's so dry sounding. Yeah. Let's let's check let's check out because I'd like to be able to like you know, offer I think it's like hundred and twenty links bucks. to this. Yeah. So, and also, I will say, Get Good Drums is really great. We're big fans. Um, you know, we're like remotely knowing them a little bit. Uh, we have we have affiliation with them through some random stuff. Me and me and Joe plays a lot of D and D, so he and I talk about D and D a lot. Yeah, Invasion is uh, 120 bucks right now. If that's something you want, I use Modern and Massive a lot. Um, it's a hundred bucks. And if you're 
not a producer and you're trying to do these things and you're just trying to be a songwriter and you're just a band that wants to write. Get the One Kit Wonder stuff, man. Oh, yeah. The One Kit Wonder is great. It's so cool. They're $60. Like, it's... Yeah, they're $60. And you can, you get, you can pick, like, your genre for the band that you're, working, that you're in and just use that to write music. It's super cool. Um, I will say, Chris Davis is a big fan of the Matt Halpern, the P4 kit. Uh, he really likes it because it's got some, like, cool simple stack stuff on it. Uh, and I think it's roughly the same, like around a hundred dollars or something like that. They run, yeah. they run deals a lot. You can get coupons, get it down to eighty dollars really easily. They'll do fifty percent or forty percent off deals, get it down to sixty or seventy bucks, and which will put the one kit wonders down to like thirty dollars, which is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those are really great. I have also, like I said, I've been using the room sound kits, uh, specifically Bo Burchell's room sound kit. He did a really good job on a lot of the snares in that kit. Uh, they sound really cool. His room sounds really cool too. Uh, it's great for like more post hardcore stuff um, or more like indie rock stuff if that's what you're gonna going for. Um, MIDI bass wise, what are you, what are you using? I just use. Uh the free ample sound pack and oh yeah um, i didn't realize that that one was free i knew the acoustic was free yeah yeah they got a j bass um and then i use uh colossal bass no no i don't use colossal anymore i use something it's by that one dude uh buster okay buster whatever his thing is i use that gotcha i think that's avalanche it's called the avalanche bass avalanche yeah. Um I think that's Odin. I could be wrong. Mm-mm. Is it not? No, Odin's by Solemn Tones. You're right. Okay, yeah, you're right. Um I use uh submission audio um mainly because that's uh they they help me out a lot in getting some stuff fixed on my computer. They also um, sound better, so just get the. They sound get that great, one. dude. I will say, if there is a bass plugin that sounds amazing, it is. It is the submission audio stuff. I, I will say, outside of metal, though, the best one by far is Trillion. Oh, for sure, for Trillion's sure. If, like, you're, if you're not doing like rock or metal, just get Trillion. Just get Trillion. Yeah, it's worth a few hundred bucks. Like. Yeah, for sure. The if you're doing like pop punk, the punk bass by Submission Audio is really great. It's a it's a P bass, uh, kind of oh, like Mark Hoppus kind of P bass. Yeah, I might check into that one. Yeah, actually, it's really good. It's got it's cool for like that. Uh, it's kind of got that. You could do like the necky sound. That's really like gritty. Um, but I yeah, mean, another thing you could do is just buy a bass, which mm-hmm. I really need to do. I need a bass. Yeah, because like I've been doing the a lot problem of bass. with that is like, so if you're doing one thing. Yeah, just buy a bass. I do a bunch of different stuff, so it's kind of hard for me to justify buying four basses. Oh, well, I mean, if you're just... You just need one good bass for everything that isn't metal. Exactly, and that's the other thing is I mainly use MIDI bass for metal. Uh, And post-hardcore. I'll program a couple harm things here and there when we're writing just to kind of make sure that I know 
what's going where. Um, but I will say the submission audio gen base, which is the main base that I use, um, it's their like super low tuned base. I think it goes down to E zero. It's crazy low. Um, if you're doing low tuned heavy music, that is the base for you. And honestly, like don't even try tracking base, just use that. Like if you're going below, really, if you're going below B flat, but because some kind of get weird there, but definitely if you're going to like your low, a lot of bands are going down to like G or your low F or like E below standard. Um, just use submission audio gen base. Yeah, that's all you need. It's great. They sound amazing. It actually pairs really well with the dark glass bass plugin because I use that a lot. I'll use it dry and then send it into the the dark glass um, base plugin. So, and it sounds so good. Another thing is like just finding ways to do things differently than what anybody else does. Because like I feel like a lot of people will just run like something into you know the dark glass plugin mm-hmm. and then call it a day. Yeah. And so I've been me- I've been messing around with like actually just using flat out saturation plugins and like distorting bass. Running it through yeah. different things, and I, I can show, I can even tell you my yeah, chain I feel like right the, now. My base. I feel like chain. people don't get creative enough. Yeah, I have my base chain right now, and I then uh, really what changes out is the compressor that goes after the dark glass and whatever distortion plugin I'm using. Um, you got me on thermal, so right now I've been on thermal. It's been, uh, it's been my print of gen base into dark glass depending sometimes i'll run it into dark glass and then i'll run it into the sans amp plugin uh both dude wait which sans amp plugin is it the the pro tools one dude i miss that plugin so much it's so cool i miss that plugin oh my goodness do you think i could get it Maybe I know. I think you can can only get it it through Pro Tools. That's the problem. Dude, see, like Rob was just talking about the Lo-Fi plugin. Yeah, I love that one. And I was like, man, I do kind of miss that plugin. And then, (laughs) and then, like, you could get it through Air, but it's missing the saturation. So then you have to buy Mm. a separate plugin through Nembini or whatever it's called, and it's like eighty bucks. And then before you know it, you're like five hundred dollars deep. Just you might as well just get this one plugin. And then, and like, what's funny is how passionate Rob is about that because like yeah. he adores that sound and he figured it out. He broke, he cracked the the, the Da Vinci code. Yeah. And now, like, you just reminded me of the Sansant plugin, and like, I'm about to do something very, very naughty, and I'm about to get Pro Tools, dude. I'm sure there's a Sansant plugin out there, but that one specifically just sounds so good. Um, so I'm sometimes just I'll buy a Sansant pedal. Yeah, you could just do that and just run it out. And just go. run it through. But I stack I stack mine. And I like doing my dark glass before. And I like to run my dark glass a little lighter on the drive and then use the drive from the Sansant plug-in because that drive is really cool. And it's got different it's got different bands of drive. So it like runs it different ways. And then I run it into thermal so I can like really focus where I want the drive on base, kind of in that upper mid-range area, and kind of not have it drive as hard on the bottom. And then I will run it through C4, multiband plugin, uh, and I will control the highs where the top end is going, and I will control the very lows where, to make sure my subs aren't going super wild because 
that uh that dark glass based plugin will sometimes get away from you on the sub frequencies i i found a i found a plugin there you go um but that's like that's my main chain and then from there i'll like pro q and i'll like make it fit whatever do you do you split low and high end no yeah i stopped doing that i stopped doing that for phase issues i started getting really bad phase issues dude everyone says that you have to do that and it's like no i don't have to do anything i use a (sighs) multi-band it does roughly the same thing especially with something as powerful as thermal like there's no reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, I use, it's no funny. Reason. I'm using multiband compression and multiband saturation in that chain. Yeah, like I don't know. Like I'm just we're built different. Yeah. <laughs> Is this plugin free? I think this plugin's free, bro. Hit hit me with it in the link, and I'm gonna drop it in the description yeah, of this episode, here, yeah, so we can share there. the wealth with the community. I, I have never heard of soft-amp.com, so. Uh, if I end up, if I end up giving Breaking. my computer a terrible disease, I will let you know. Please do. But yeah, link me in in our in our. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. That's great. I'm excited to look at that. It it, it looks like it too. <laughs> huh? It, it looks it, looks, like it looks just like it too. Oh heck yeah! The yeah. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited about my chain because because of thermal, it kind of sent me in that way, and it's making my MIDI bass sound so cool. And I'm processing it so much that it sounds so real, especially a really well programmed one. It sounds so real. Yeah. And like my drums are the same way. I have like some really specific like I'm using a bunch of different samples, but like my processing on on the kits that I'm using is starting to get pretty similar, and <laughs> Like, me and Jason um, do a hardcore side project called um, The Reversalist, and we we pitched that to a label, and, like, that's probably going to go through, which I'm excited about. And it's 100% MIDI, everything other than guitars and vocals. And yeah. it's, it's, like, it's amp sims, it's MIDI bass, it's gin bass. I, I can tell you right now, it's gin bass, it's modern and massive, it's um, the Lee, uh, Lee Malia uh, amp pack from, uh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, Tone Hub. Tone Hub, yes, it's the Lee Malia pack from Tone Hub. And a bunch of saturation on Jason's vocals and fun programming, like synth-wise. That's what every single Reversalist song is, That the three that we've done that have gotten us to pitching to a label and gotten a deal in the works. Like, it happens, man. You can just do that. He and I did that 100% on under quarantine. And it's so unlimited. Like, it just so freeing just do it don't let your dreams be dreams well and i was gonna say it doesn't it gives you zero reason to put out music that these the that's kind of what i want all of this to to kind of say in the end is you have no reason to not write the song put the music out i mean okay going back to charlie puth Literally everything he does is completely programmed. So 
You don't have an excuse. Dude writes number ones. You're just you're just not as good as him. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You were saying that directly to me. And me. <laughs> and my you said that directly to yourself right then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know how it goes. Every day I wake up, I'm like, not as good as Charlie. Not as good as bed. Charlie though. Time for another depression nap. <laughs> I spent oh, all man. quarantine just laying in this room, staring at the ceiling, and just telling myself, "Man, I will never be as good as Charlie Puth, <laughs> or or Black Bear, <laughs> uh, or or Black Bear, or Black Bear." No, the um, I think that that is a great place to stop. Of a lot of this stuff is just here to free you to just make things and make music and not and eliminate barriers to get your music out there. I feel that. Josh. I feel that. That's... Thanks for not thanks for not being dead. Dude, no problem. I'm if I was you can't tell legit like... worried about you for a second. <laughs> whenever I answered and I looked like that. Yeah, whenever you, you answered like... I was like, "Oh no." I, I had that real like like sometimes whenever I wake up out of a deep sleep, I my eyes almost look like they're sw- swollen shut. Mm-hmm. And so like I was wondering if like maybe you were worried. I was a little worried. You were you were like, "Hey, it's time." And I was like, "Mm-mm." <laughs> I was like, "Are you sure?" Because sometimes you go, uh-uh, and you're like, I'm fine, actually. And then, you know what's kind of funny, though, is I, so I I slept for, like, a while before you woke me up, and then I laid back down to sleep, and I could not fall back to sleep. I'm I literally sorry. just laid there in a daze, wanting to die. Hard. I was so dehydrated and just so congested, and I spent, like, an hour coughing things up, and then I went back to sleep finally. That's fun. I finished Attack on Titan, though. Hey, I watched it. Well, I didn't watch it. I, I, I watched it. it. Yeah, I read it. I read it with my eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the end. Yeah. I'm excited to see how they, if they follow the same. Yeah. Plot point. I, I, I'm excited. I mean, I know at one point, uh, it's a mayor, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he said that it's almost like the anime is more canon than the m- manga. So. I'm very excited to see how that plays out. Anime talk on the podcast. Bro. <laughs> Gotta have it. Gotta um, have it. I'm gonna drop I'm gonna drop links to all of like the the plugins that we talked about, because we talked about it a good bit of plugins. Um but specifically just to pretty much just to get Good Drums website and <laughs> say like go have fun. But we talked about a lot of different little things here and there. Um if that's something that you're interested in go buy it if you have the money it is not that expensive and honestly you could spend like two hundred dollars get a bunch of cool stuff and write music and put it out or you can get splice for seven dollars oh yeah that works too yeah you could do that yeah you could do that or if a you combination don't, if, of yeah if you don't two. need like realistic sounding drums then yeah and this that's that statement is more geared towards like my rock and metal guys yeah, like if you're not doing that, then like don't even bother because like even like alt rock right now has like a bunch of samples. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, a like lot that of them are uh, KG Elephant record, that all just sounds like a drum machine. Yeah. That's well, so and cool. a lot of those guys that are doing like those kind of alt rock records are using really old like T like 808 samples off of like an MPC. Yeah. And like that's really cool though because like I mean you can imagine the excitement whenever a band who's been touring 
and playing live instruments for, you know, over a decade, they walk into a studio where you have all of these ways to, you know, like your entire band is built off of this human interaction together. And now like you can interact with robots and have them do it for you, but it's still not just a computer. Mm -hmm. Like that must be a really cool thing. Yeah. That's gotta be really cool. Um, I'm going to link a bunch of stuff in the description for the episode. Josh, thanks for hanging out and talking with me about MIDI and you're not done. No, I said, and not dying and not dying. Yeah. (laughs) And not dying. Yeah. Thanks for that too. Um, yeah. Thanks for, uh, hanging out with me, talking to me about MIDI and all of the cool ways that we can use it and how to just freaking put some music out. Always, my guy. This is your sign. Put the music out. <laughs> Put it out. Just do it. And that's what we'll end. And that's it for this episode of the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us today. If you'd like to find any of the links to all of the stuff that we talked about today, you can find it on YouTube. Just search Home Studio Hangout or find it on the After School Podcast YouTube channel. All the links for everything we talked about will be in the description of this episode. Thanks again for checking us out. If you aren't subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe to us on your favorite uh, podcast channel. Leave a review if you gain some knowledge or learn something from what we talked about today. It helps other people find us and maybe even grow a little bit more. Once again, thanks for coming and hanging out and keep on creating. <laughs>